0: love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, I trust you're having a wonderful holiday season. You know, there's something clean, refreshing, and energizing about knowing we're starting a new year. No matter what this year's been like, just the fact that we're starting a new year, it's kind of that clean slate thing. I I love to read about Tabula Rusa, the clean slate, just the power of a new beginning. Well, we're getting about ready to start that. So the question is not what has this year been for you as much as have you decided what you want next year to look like? That's the real question. That's the power. That's the excitement this time of year, deciding what you want the next year to look like. Well, here's the theme for this week. It is unformed longings and vague desires. I have to go slowly when I say that. If you say it too fast, it's a tongue twister, but I'll share a little bit more of that in our quotation for the day in a minute. But here's some of the questions we'll be looking at today. Dan, my work has no purpose or meaning, but it's very profitable. Dan, I'm now 35 working in a job in telecommunications that I absolutely hate. How can I know about the real culture of a company before taking a job there? Dan, here's the rub. I think I quit my day job too soon. We got a bunch of questions today about being in business for yourself and quitting day jobs. I've got uh, some uh, probably uh, counterintuitive suggestions for some of the listeners today. Dan, what do you mean when you said working by the hour will keep you poor? Speaking of having a job, how about this one? Should I just accept that my husband is not ambitious and just grin and bear it? Well, we'll be looking at some of those questions and more today. As always, if you've got a question, you can shoot it in. Just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. It'll come right to me, goes in that special file that I have the privilege of opening up one morning a week and perusing all these wonderful questions. Here's the quotation. Comes from Wallace Waddles. You've probably heard me talk about Wallace Waddles. He wrote a book back in 1910 titled The Science of Getting Rich. I recently had a, a road trip to Atlanta and I put in the six CDs of that entire book and listened to the whole thing down and back the science of getting rich. Anyway, this comes from Wallace Waddles who said you can never get rich or start the creative power into action by sending out unformed longings and vague desires. But the point being be specific. If you're a generalist, you're going to stay at the bottom of the barrel. You got to be specific. Well, I like to start each week with some success stories. This week's no different. Got lots of them. I'm going to just give you a couple here. This one comes from Brian who says, Dan, I listen weekly to your online radio show. Love the message of business through service. I recently heard an episode with a question about where to find local conferences. Now, if you remember, I've talked several times. People have said, isn't there kind of a clearinghouse? For events, seminars, and conferences where we could go, and then just select what we want to go to. And I said, I don't know of anything. Well, guess what? Brian took action. He says in response to this, I started Million Conferences. So it's MillionConferences.com as a community where business owners can share their conferences and tele-seminars with the community. I'm excited to use this as a way to use my talent for application development and my passion for knowledge to provide a service. Currently, it's just the community piece, but I'm going to start a blog that goes through experiences of setting up events. Now, he talks about being part of 48days.net. We will help you, Brian. I think that's a marvelous idea. I love it when somebody takes an idea and takes action. I hear a lot about those on here, and I just, uh, God, there's nothing more thrilling to me than to see somebody who heard something, triggered a thought, they put a plan of action together and took action. Now, this comes from Tim. Another one. Tim, hey, Dan. I hope you and Joanne had a great Thanksgiving. Over the holiday weekend, I purchased the electronic version of the Rudder of the Day. Now, that's one of my little inspirational books. Put it together based on newsletter articles over a period of time. Put them together in a little daily meditational that we get a lot of comments on, the Rudder of the Day. He says, I'm, uh, Tim says, I'm putting all of my daily reading for 2014 on my Kindle so I can have them with me wherever I go. However, the PDF version of Rudder did not auto-convert well to Kindle. It was too small to read. Over the past few days, I have painstakingly converted the book by hand to get a very nice Kindle version. The PDF as a whole has served inconsistencies in formatting, so I use the printed book as a guide. Here's why I'm writing. I would love to provide you with the Mobi Kindle and epub nook and others files to sell on your site i have close to 40 hours into this project but in keeping with your prescribed methodology i'd like to provide the files for free in exchange for a percentage of whatever happens to sell in these formats now to talk about that i love that idea now keep in mind you know i create a lot of content i'm not the techie person on our team trust me I'll forward this on connect him with those people. And we'll get this worked out. But I love that. I mean, that, that ought to be done. I mean, that's one of those things. I mean, a lot of times in creating contact can't content. I put together a quick ebook on something. We just put it out as a PDF. I don't know that we go through making it easy to be downloaded as a Kindle or on a, on a nook. Um, we should, those are just details, that uh, having a small team and me cranking out a lot of content, I think sometimes we just don't get that done. But I, I love that. Thanks, Tim, for offering to do that. Sure, I'd be delighted to do exactly what you're talking about, and I'll connect you with the, the people on our team who can take this further. But let me, let me do one more. Tyler said, um, my name is Tyler those Because of the indirect and direct encouragement you've given me, I'm starting my own website, 517fitness.com. I'm a part of the 48 Days community, and a few months back, you actually gave me right to the bank. It changed my life. That simple act of kindness gave me the gusto to actually follow my dreams. I'm launching my site on December 31st. The main goal of the site is to help believers connect their faith with their fitness and health. I named it 517 Fitness after 2 Corinthians 517, where it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The main goal of 517fitness.com is to make the reader's bodies a new creation, just like we become new creations when we bring God into our life. Just wanted to thank you. I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Tyler. Well, Tyler, congratulations on taking action on that. I love it. When I hear these stories, people took a little seed of an idea, put a plan together, took action, congratulations on your new fitness site. And as you know, when we finish the success stories, we bring up, we're the champions. Hey, these are great stories. You got a success story, again, just shoot it in the same place, just quick note to ask dan at 48days.com or go to the podcast link 48days.com you can just submit it there i love sharing these stories that come in week after week can't interrupt this All right. Enough of that. Let me go to the questions here. This one comes from Lou who says, thank you so much for doing what you do. I'm currently working full-time as a dietitian health coach for a company. And I'm also pursuing my master's in nutrition, part-time paying out of pocket. The Dave Ramsey way. I hope to be finished in about a year and a half. As much as I love my current job, I know that down the road soon after I complete my degree, I'd like to eventually be my own boss, do my own thing, and equip inspire others as a private health and nutrition coach, and also create other additional resources like ebooks, blogs, and so on. Is it ever a good idea to start a business while in graduate school, or is it better to wait until you have more time available to really focus on it p s in terms of time availability, I'm not married know to have kids right now. Well, Lou, I can't imagine being in graduate school and not having a business running on the side. I'd never go to school and do just that. I mean, time is too precious. Life is too short. And I don't want to bog myself down with just the learning. Now, you know, this, this thing really intrigues me, this whole idea that we have about learning. I need to unpack this some, and I, I'll do it. I'll, I'll think through it more fully. But, you know, when I think about how we envision going to college or to graduate school. We want to go four years and cram all our learning into one small period of time. And then boom, then we stop learning. Then we get out here and hope to make a life of some kind. I mean, how ludicrous is that? It's like going to a buffet and on the first day on January 1st and saying, man, I'm going to eat enough for all year. I'm just going to sit here and gorge myself. Then I won't have to bother myself with the, taking the time to eat again for the rest of the year. Well, we know that's ridiculous. Well, I think learning is the same way. To think that we can just somehow cram our learning in a short period of time and then it's going to equip us for the rest of our life is ludicrous. I mean, if you are not a continual learner, you're getting behind your peers day by day by day. I mean, when I run into an attorney who says, gee, I haven't read a book since I graduated from law school. And man, you're the last guy. I want to look at anything I'm going to be doing today. Maybe that's top of mind because I've had a couple legal issues to get resolved here. Not nothing bad, just book contracts and different kind of trademarks and things that we're doing. But, uh, just brings to mind, I would never work with an attorney who convinced me he stopped learning when he graduated from law school. So yeah, I think it's a great time to be in business for yourself when you are in graduate school. Jump in the game. There's nothing to stop you, especially if you you aren't married, don't have kids. My goodness. Yeah, go ahead and get started so you've got something up and running when you graduate, when you get your master's degree, rather than feeling like you're dead in the water then. Bryson says, Dan, thanks for taking the time to read this. I went to college at age 29. Life felt good when I made that decision. I majored in public relations, which was a bad decision and not well thought out. Now I'm 35, working in a job in telecommunications a job i absolutely hate all the career changes that i'm interested in require more college and that's something i simply can't afford financially and i'm no spring chicken the stress has taken a toll on my health i just simply need a direction and a breath of hope but after two years of searching for new paths i have found nothing the only solution i see is to quit my job and make it work I'm not even sure what I'm asking for. Maybe just a prayer. If I could just find something tangible that I was passionate about, that I could turn into a vessel for generating revenue, I would run it down like a lion on a gazelle. I'm at the starting line in position, just waiting for God to say, go. What would you do? Well, you present an interesting situation, Bryson, I mean, being 35, I mean, you're not a spring chicken. You, you got a whole long period of time in which to make good decisions and redirect, realign. You can be doing that 30 years from now. Trust me. So it's not like you've you've missed a window of opportunity. However, I, I question when you say that anything that you would be interested in would require more college. I mean, if that's true, you need to broaden your options. I mean, really, I mean, there's a. I mean, I would say that 90% of the great opportunities out here today don't require a specific college degree of any kind. Now, if you want to be a brain surgeon or an attorney or pathologist, sure, you've got to go to college and graduate school to be qualified to do that. But but again, that's, that's a very limited list. I mean, look at the things that you would be interested in. I can't imagine that everything you would be interested in would require a specific kind of degree. I think you need to broaden your scope. Of things that you are interested in, even if that is, you know, in traditional jobs. If you've got a job in PR, I mean, that's like having a degree in mass communications or English lit. I mean, that's a pretty generic degree, but it still positions you to have that college degree to be a candidate for, again, 90% of even what companies would be looking for, just the fact that you have a degree. So don't box yourself into such a small, uh, a small corner. Uh, I think you need to just uh, believe that there are options that would integrate where you already are and the things that you bring to the table. Chris says, I'm 25 years old and was hired straight out of college into one of the largest IT companies in the world, a great American company that most people would die to work for. Unfortunately, I am miserable. I feel my work has no purpose or meaning, but it is very profitable. I recently read 48 Days to the Work You Love. I've taken the personality profile test. The results show several different job types, including entrepreneur, but also my current job role, sales engineer. I've always been interested in entrepreneurship and owning my own business. However, I'm not sure what type of business I should get into or where to start. I took a serious look at franchising, but realized I don't have the funds necessary. I feel the corporate world in general is not the place for me. Look forward to your guidance. Well, again, Chris, you you lay out a, a lot of possibilities here. Now, one is I want to send you a copy of No More Dreaded Mondays. In there, I talk about entrepreneurial kind of ideas, how to take a seed of an idea and turn it into something real where you don't have a traditional job, but you have certainly a realistic way to generate income and extraordinary amounts of income. So I'll send you a copy of that. But I also want you to just jump online. Go to entrepreneur.com. Now that that will take you to the magazine, entrepreneur.com, and look at franchises and business opportunities. When you say that you took a serious look at franchising, you're talking about looking at something where there's already a proven model for what needs to be done. So we're talking about, you know, subway, Chick-fil-A, you know, carpet cleaning businesses and so on. There's a whole lot of those. There are franchises you can get for a thousand dollars. I mean, it's not all like McDonald's where it requires half a million dollars. There are good franchises you can get for very little money. The other model is business opportunities. Now that's a distinctly different business model for something to be a franchise. It's highly regulated You can't call it a franchise or sell in the franchise model where you sell a business idea and then you get royalties back on their continuing revenue. I mean, that's a franchise model. Very legitimate, certainly lots of business being done in a franchise model. You can't just get into that because you decide you've got a business idea and you want to expand. It's very heavily regulated. Business opportunities, on the other hand, are not. Business opportunities mean, yeah, here's an idea. I mean, I put things together multiple times as business ideas. And once I had a little idea where I had a little leather covered address book back when we used to use physical address books, had the tabs in there, I would go to a church and say, I'll give you a thousand copies of this with your logo on the front, beautifully done. The first few pages will have scheduled services, whatever you want in there. And that's a telephone address book that people can use. Now, to make that happen, I want you to give me the name of people that you do business with as a church. So people in the church who are in insurance, real estate, banking, mortgage, where you get your hair done, where you put people up at a hotel when they come, your favorite restaurant. Give me that list. I'll go out and get ad spots from them that we put on the inside covers. I did that. That was a very, very profitable idea. The very first one I did took me four days to do. I gave the church a thousand copies and put $4,600 in my pocket. I thought, man, this is pretty cool. I put that together as a business opportunity, put one ad in entrepreneur magazine. And I had like 420 people that sent me their money for the business idea. I mean, I made a ton of money on selling the business idea. So look at business opportunities and franchises and look at the kind of things that you can do. There, there ought to be tons of opportunities for you there. There would be that gentle blend between being a true entrepreneur and having a business on your own or having a job. That is where having a business opportunity or a franchise falls. Very legitimate ideas there, but I'll send you a copy of no more Mondays to get you started. And you're thinking in that direction. David says, I work at a local credit union dealing with loans over for the last three years. I've developed a love of writing and content marketing that came up from promoting other interests and I have credentials to back it up. I want to approach my company about a marketing position that handles their social media and maybe a blog, two areas they're lacking in where competition precedes them. My problem is that I feel like I feel asking my boss to advocate for me won't work, nor would going behind my boss's back to the marketing director. I thought about suggesting a trial period that's done on a contract basis to prove myself but i'm still not sure of a tactful way to initiate the con- the discussion this company has a good culture i'd like to make this work for them before i look elsewhere well here's what i would suggest david you want to do you know write a blog do content marketing i'd suggest that you offer to do that without changing jobs just offer to do a once a week blog and some other social media activity I mean, show that as added value to what you're already doing. You'll make yourself irreplaceable. Now, here's the danger of trying to make that a position. This is still really a gray area. I mean, we're dealing with this. I mean, doing social marketing, social media marketing is pretty hard to measure. It's hard to show how that translates into bottom dollar revenue generation. So you can do a whole lot of activity and it not really change the company revenues. That puts you in a real dangerous position. I would suggest you continue doing what you're doing. Do that as an added value. You know, maybe over time it'll grow into something where you can devote more time to that. But really, I would not recommend that a company take somebody on, have a paid position for just social media marketing. I'm going to have a lot of you that probably disagree with me on that, but I can't find where it relates directly to the bottom line. It's wonderful. You know, we love having it done. You know, we've got a gal who does an amazing job in that arena, but it's not a full-time paid position to do just that. I think it's hard to justify. I don't want you to sabotage what you're doing now as a paid for position into doing something that has less perceived value. Don't do that. Maria says, Dan, I've been a huge fan of yours and love all your books. My hope is to have my own business in 2014. My problem is focusing on the type of business and getting uh, the first client. I started a few blogs, consulting businesses or online stores with varying topics, career, food, and fashion, even some of the 48 low-cost business ideas. But I can't push through that initial barrier to get clients and make a profit. I'm now working on a blog online uh specializing in sustainable houseware, my creative juices are drying up and I can't come up with content, even though it's a passion of mine. I currently work in retail management and I'm good at it, but desperately want to work for myself. What do you suggest for someone whose mind is all over the place? Well, Maria, you know, I appreciate your question. You do have to find a clear focus. You can't be a generalist and be successful. Now you may say, well, gee, what about Walmart? You know, they sell everything under the sun. Yeah what they sell is not their focus. Their focus is having the lowest price. That's their unique selling proposition. So still they have a very clear focus, even though they're a very large company and have millions of different products. Now, let me just throw something else out here too. Maria said, you know, you have a job that you're very good at. You know, I love having my own business and I encourage lots of others to do so. But having a job is an honorable thing as well. I mean, I don't want to ever give the impression that everybody who's listening to this podcast needs to just deep six their job and go do something on their own. No, there's a lot of honorable jobs out there to be had. And you need to, what I really want is for you to do what is the best fit for you. Now, just this last week, I had lunch with a lady who wanted to be a coach. She came to our coaching event, positioned herself as a coach. She went through an unexpected divorce and Decided she was going to coach other women in the same position. She did a great job of describing how she wanted to work with women. Got a website up and a whole deal. I went to lunch with her. And she's like, the only thing that interests me is art. You know, I really just want to do art. I'm saying, okay, uh, how are you going to make that work? Well, I'd like to just do visual art and have that be my source of income. And I said, whoa you got a big gap to cover here. Nobody knows you as an artist. You don't have any experience as an artist. This is going to take some significant time. I said, what happened to coaching? What happened to coaching women through what you were describing? And she's like, well, I don't really want to have to blog, you know, even once a week. I don't want to have to get involved in the social media. So I don't want to have to have a platform, you know, where I have an audience of people, you know, the bottom, the bottom line, really, the bottom, and this is not easily dealt with in a one minute answer, obviously the bottom line for her was she really wants to be married. She doesn't want to have to deal with all these things that have to do with starting your own business where you have to have a website and maintain it. You have to blog, you have to maybe do a podcast, a newsletter. You have to go to events. You have to build a platform, engage with other people, be involved in social networks. She didn't want to do any of that. I said, you know what? You need to get a job. That doesn't mean you've given up. That doesn't mean that you aren't capable. It just means that's the best fit. I said, get a job in something that would immerse you in the art world. Get a job at Hobby Lobby. They they have the same values as you. They're not open on Sunday. Get a job where you make 15 bucks an hour and you make $30,000 a year. You'll be fine with that. Do that rather than trying to make this thing work of having your own business. Now, that was my recommendation to somebody who's paid me to coach her. So certainly I see that as an option. So Marie, you know, when, when you're having difficulty finding a focus, don't, don't sabotage, don't burn any bridges. Don't give up the job that you're already doing where you're competent in it and being paid. Well, there's nothing wrong with that you move to something on your own. If you find a clear focus and passion and a methodology by which that is very profitable until that, keep doing what you're doing. Now, is it possible that you'll find something with a clear focus? Sure. You can keep experimenting as you're doing, but don't force the issue so much that you, you know, end up thinking that this is very complicated no, I think it still is a matter of you haven't found something that really you're that passionate about. Otherwise, I think you'd have more insight into how to make that work. Well, kind of a we've got some here that are kind of elusive. They're not real specific, but I hope that we're getting some uh, specific steps to take to at least address the questions. Hey, let me throw this in here real quick. Just a reminder, if you got a question, you can... Submit it. Go to 48days.com. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a place there to submit your question and be delighted to consider it for an upcoming podcast. Well, here's one from Paul who says, workplace culture seems to have an enormous impact upon our ability to function optimally and derive satisfaction from our work. It seems to me that some companies talk about employee recognition, thinking outside the box and valuing input. However, in practice, there's little healthy exchange of ideas created problem solving and challenging of the status quo. There's a disconnect between what is stated as corporate culture and what is practiced. I call these hollow statements window dressing. What steps can one take to recognize an employer's true culture when seeking a new employment situation and determining if it's a good match? It appears that a poor match can be very toxic. Well, you know, do Google searches on the company. You'll find out a, a ton about a company. Talk to current employees. I mean, wait in the parking lot if necessary. But then also realize no company is going to be perfect. And, and also recognize that work is not the only thing of value in your life. I mean, sometimes in talking to people, I, I fear that we're trying to get too much out of the work that we do. Now that may sound strange coming from me because I spend my life. My work is helping people find meaning and fulfillment purpose and profit in their work. So certainly I believe it's important, but I think sometimes we still go too far beyond that. I mean, I see that where somebody gets a pink slip. I mean, this time of year we're hearing from a lot of people who are getting their termination, their walking papers. I mean, it just happens. Companies are readjusting this time of year Somebody gets their walking papers and my gosh, their whole life falls apart. Gee, they can't get off the couch. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They can't think straight. They're, you know, eating junk food. I'm thinking, my gosh, was work the only thing in your life? Did work define you? I hope that's not the case. I mean, work is just one tool for a successful life. So if you're in a company that's not perfect, hey, join the crowd. You know, that's pretty, pretty typical. I don't know of any company out here that is perfect. And I know some companies where they have great corporate culture. People love being there, but I'm sure there are people leaving there because for some reason it didn't seem to fit then. So yeah, you know, check a company out, talk to people that are there, but then recognize no company is going to be perfect. Just don't make the the work focus more important than reasonable. Be making massive deposits of success in your life in other areas. Physically, spiritually, family, personal development, social, financial. I mean those areas, if you're really excelling in those areas, you can tolerate a lot that's not perfect in your work because it's one part of a very healthy, wholesome, balanced, fulfilling life. Ed says Now this is this is I love this question and, and I'm may go a place you don't expect in my response. Ed says Thanks for addressing my recent question about talking to, collaborating with other electric sign businesses rather than viewing them as competition. I took your advice, met a few of the owners here. I have one more yet to meet. I'm just recently licensed, starting up, having sold and completed one good sized job. I'm still working on infrastructure for the business, such as forming an LLC, accepting credit cards, book, bookkeeping systems, etc. With one job that took me only one day for the installation, I made well above what I made in a month as a company electrician. Now listen to this, listen to the turn in Ed's question here. Ed says, here's the rub. I think I quit my day job too soon. I'm open to getting another one and I'm certain I can get a better paying one so it's not all that bad. Two questions. What do you think is a reasonable time frame in order of weeks or months to nail down a steady stream of new sign jobs? Is it stupid to try to start this kind of business in only off hours when I'm working a job 40 hours a week, the prime times to hustle new customers are gone. I've been here in Colorado Springs less than three years while fairly well connected. I feel pretty weak in that area. I'm making great headway there, but need some tips on connecting with commercial real estate brokers. For example, who could refer their clients to me. Thanks again for your fresh perspective on life and work. Ed, Ed, here's the deal. I mean, I've seen this played out a thousand times. If you made one day what you made in a job in in a month in your job, you can't go back, dude. You cannot go back. You've seen too much. I mean, I, I, I love the way this works, but that's what happens to entrepreneurs is they've seen too much in terms of income possibilities and time freedom. Man, if you made in one day what you normally make in a month, you're toast. You'll never survive in going back into a job. Now, that being said, I think you're right on track. Now let me, But you know, this phenomenon, I mean, I joke about this with Joanne all the time. I, I'm, I just told her the other day again that I'm, that I'm going to sell the car that she's currently driving. I, don't, I love to buy and sell cars. And so I put her in something in about six months, you know, I'm going to flip it and make money and go on. I mean, I've done that all of our all of our married life. She's driving a beautiful car that she absolutely loves. And I said, eh, I'm going to flip it. And she was like, well, then I have to have, and she started going through this laundry list of things she has to have if I get her another car. Well, the funny thing is, when, when Joanne met me, I was driving a 1931 Ford Model A Roadster, chopped and channeled, had a Chrysler 331 Hemi in it, you know, 12-inch slicks in the back, and believe me, it had no extras. I mean, it didn't have a radio. It didn't have power anything. It was as raw and just original as anything you can imagine. That's what we met in, but over the years, I mean, the cars have gotten a little more complex, So yeah, gee, the first time we got a car with power windows, you know, it was like, Oh wow. I never want a car without power windows. And then it was door locks. And then, you know, a couple of recent cars just got heated seats. Well, we don't have extremely cold weather here in Franklin, Tennessee, but there are some mornings where it's pretty chilly. And she discovered the luxury of heated seats. She's, Oh my gosh, I never want to have a car again. That doesn't have heated seats. And then the, The most recent one, the one she's driving now has air conditioned seats. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Roll the window down. It has air conditioned seats. It cools your back and your, your butt, I guess. Um, To me, I think it's frivolous, but it's funny. I, I joke with Joanne, you know, she's every time she experiences something new, then she can't do without. Well, we see that in the American culture. Obviously we could go on and on with that, but that's really true with businesses as well. That's why when I see entrepreneurs who went off and did something on their own, even if it wasn't successful, they have a hard time going back to being employees. So, Ed, with what you're describing, I'd say, man, you're right there. I mean, that is such a dramatic swing for you to make in one day what you previously made in a month. Yeah, go out and duplicate that. I mean, all you need is one job a month, surely you can do that. Knocking on doors, talking to real estate brokers, whoever it is that is your target audience, just get out there and beat the doors down. Get that next job. If you have to, if you go, if you knock on 60 doors this week, you're going to get a job. You know that. And if you do that in one week, get the job, do that, then get two more this month. I mean, you're in gravy train. Yeah, I'd I'd say do that. But now with any business, you hear me talk a lot on here. If you're starting a business just on the side, I think that you ought to be able in six months to duplicate your current income and make a full transition. If it's not possible to do that, then you probably just have a hobby, not a real business. With what you're talking about, if you devote all your time to that, yeah, I think in 30 days you're golden. I think that you can do that because you're not talking about needing 3,000 customers where they all pay you, you know, $2 a piece. You're talking about one customer who pays you enough to make your month. That's, I mean, that that's just, that that's the way to go. So you ought to be able to do that with no turning back. love the question. Evelyn says, Dan, I know you've told your story multiple times about how you first started, but I'd love to hear it again. I'm now where you were many years ago and trying to get used to the word no. I'm a CPA trying to break the stereotype of what it means to be a CPA. I mean, the process of completing a book it should be published in February. In the meantime, the book can be downloaded at lifestylecpa.com. My big problem is a stereotype people currently have about CPAs doing compliance work. My practice extends way beyond compliance, and I advise business owners how to structure a business in a way that offers freedom. I've been practicing my business offline, but recently decided to go virtual, and breaking into this online space has proven to be quite difficult. Evelyn. Well, Evelyn, I did click through to your, your book, and I love the introduction where you say, Hi, I'm Evelyn Ivy, a certified public accountant, CPA. lifestyle entrepreneur myself, and I love my life. I hope you do too. To me, lifestyle entrepreneurship is not an end in itself, but one of the tools I have learned to use to give me a rewarding life. We live in a world filled with so much beauty and opportunities. Years ago, I chose to enjoy the beauty and blessings bestowed upon me and made a promise to myself to live a life of significance without regrets. Wow. I love that. That is not the typical CPA presentation. I mean, I I have to admit, you know, I've got a a preconceived idea of what to expect with a CPA. You know, somebody who has glasses that went out of style 20 years ago, you know, hasn't signed her shoes, but they got a sharp pencil, sit in a decrepit little office, you know, and do books. Now, obviously, I've generalized greatly there. My bookkeeper is not like that. She's a very uh, engaging brilliant personality kind of person she's what you're describing but i had to interview a whole bunch of people to find her but there are places for people like you and really i think it's hard to convey everything that you're describing if you are online i mean i i have my, my book comes here personally i want somebody in that position who comes here personally um i, I don't want to just send my things over the wire and have it done that way. You know, she walks in, but she does know my business. It's not just a matter. A lot of times, too, I think that bookkeepers and CPAs just look at what's already happened, they have no sense of what is going to happen. I want a bookkeeper and accountant who works with me, who can help me project. Sales can help me look at cost margins and project what we're going to do next year and the year beyond that. You're obviously that kind of person as well. There are people looking for you. Don't give up on that search. Let yourself be known. I know you've just gotten active. I see your activity on 48days.net. I commend you on that. Stay there, but connect with people locally as well. I mean, go to Chamber of Commerce meetings, go to the Rotary. You know, you may come up with a 20 minute presentation that you can do at luncheon meetings at civic groups where you talk about, you know, being a, a lifestyle CPA or, or being, what is the term that you used? A lifestyle entrepreneur. I mean, what a cool thing. Develop a, a brief talk on that. Get out and give that. Let people know what you do. Make those connections locally so you fill your calendar pronto. Now, here's an interesting question. Now, this is going to go against Part of what I've already talked about. It doesn't really, but it'll, it'll sound like that. Jared says, Dan, you explained in a podcast a few months ago, titled how working by the hour will keep you poor. Can you expand on that? Or at least give me the link. I need to go back to that. Thanks for all you do. Since I'm an hourly worker, slowly transitioning out of the workplace. I think this podcast will be relevant and helpful for me and others. Thanks in advance. Well, I I did do a blog. The blog actually comes from August 9th of 2010. So it's been three years ago where I, it was titled hourly pay will keep you poor. Now you can find that. I'll put it in the podcast notes, but you can find it if you just go to my blog site on 48 days.com and just in the search, just put in the search bar, keep you poor. It'll come right up it's easy to find. Hourly pay will keep you poor. And I talked about the fact that wealth is never made by the hour. It's made with ideas and a plan of action. Now here's the deal. And again, I'm going to balance this by saying again, that having a job is an honorable thing to do. If it's the best fit for you, then do it with excellence and don't let anybody else tell you, tell you differently. But if you make $15 an hour, you're making $31,000 a year. So if you get a cost of living increase of three to 4%, it's not going to significantly change your financial position. Yeah, you can do a great job and, you know, ask for a 10% raise, but even if you got a 10% raise, it's going to take eight years to double your income and get to 62,000. That's what the 10% raise, which very few people get, but doubling your pay, you know, in an hourly position is, not likely to happen unless you bring some new skills to the table. So my thing is a better question is how can you make an extra $2,600 a month, which is what $15 an hour is starting now, how could you double your income by doing something on the side? What could you do that would that add to your debt snowball if you're doing the Dave Ramsey thing, but then I'll, I'll, or some ideas. I put out some ideas there. You could, you know, mow 10 yards a week at $60 each. You could, um, spend $1,300 on old silver at garage and estate sales, clean it up and know the market, double your investment. When you sell it on eBay, you could buy a fixer upper of some kind. And I talked to somebody just the other day who did that. Boom, you know, make your $31,000 in one transaction. You could clean up graffiti In your town, get 10 contracts for $260 monthly to keep a building graffiti free and you've just doubled your income. So I went on and on with things like that. I do stick to my premise that working hourly will keep you poor no matter what that hourly pay is. I mean, you can't have exponential increases and really become wealthy doing that. Be very, very rare. Now the the thing would be if somebody took lived very simply took part of their our, hourly income, invested it wisely, did real estate or something else, and it grew so their wealth grew outside of their job. Yeah, it's possible. But if you really want to make big bucks, you know you need to do something outside of a traditional job model. So. You can do both. You can do one or the other. This is not good, bad, right, or wrong. It's what is it that fits you? I mean, that's what we're looking for. Okay, let me grab this one. Jay says, my husband doesn't like his new job and is considering going back to the low-paying, dead-end job he had before, which he didn't like either, by the way. He says at least it was less stressful and he disliked it less. Boy, how's that for a, a plan to find a job that you dislike less. Okay. He just wants a job to bite his time until retirement. I'm very ambitious, have my own business. Thanks to you and work really hard. I don't want him to go back to his old job. If he does, we'll be living paycheck to paycheck. I'll have to work much harder to pick up the slack. It's not fair to me to have to kill myself working while he just coast by. I tell him to read your book to find something he can actually enjoy and not just tolerate, but he won't. Am I wrong? Should I just accept that he's not ambitious and just grin and bear it? Boy, there ought to be some theme music there. What would be a good theme song to play there? My husband's not ambitious. Should I just grin and bear it? I don't know what that theme song would be. I'll think of something. I'll bring it back next week, perhaps a theme song for that. The answer to your question, this is tough. I see this played out so often. Now, now to carry it to a little more extreme, I see a whole lot of guys out there right now who have not been able to find work. Now, gee, they've been looking for 14 months, for two years. Now, sure, they're looking. They're on the internet every day, scanning new job opportunities. I mean, nobody can fault them for that, Right right. I mean, it drives me crazy. I mean, if a job search is going on that long, something else is going on. And you know what I often find with a guy who's been in a job search for 18 months? What I discover is his wife is making just enough. They can eke out a living. I mean, I've seen that played out so many times. I can't keep track of it. That's why the job search continues. No excuse for it. Now, that's a topic for another day, perhaps. What can you do? It's very difficult to change somebody else. It really is. I mean, what you have to do is be a shining example yourself of the way you think things ought to be done. Be, be the leader. Be the role model. Do with excellence what you're doing. Rock and roll with your idea. Be more and more successful. Don't waste a whole lot of time trying to change him. Now you can be sure to convey the idea that he has the responsibility to be providing and be providing well, but to turn him into an entrepreneur, that's really, really difficult with what you've described. If he's not willing to read, listen, hear, think, entertain new ideas. Now he, he's not cut out to do something on his own. He needs to have a job, but he ought to have a job that's meaningful, fulfilling and profitable for Sure. No excuse not to at least be that much in the game, boy. You know, I I need to, I need to get the stories of about three hundred wives and write a book on that very phenomenon. How their success? You know, just yesterday they announced a new CEO of General Motors, and it's the first time General Motors in history has had a woman CEO. I want to research her, see what her family constellation is like, because it's so common where with a little bit of extraordinary success in a woman, uh, the husband somehow fades into the background and doesn't accomplish a whole lot. Now, I know that, again, there's unique examples, every situation, but I've seen this played out as a pattern time and time again. So do your best, continue to do your best. Get the affirmation that you need from other people that you're working with or people who are on the same path as you. I'm not saying to sabotage your marriage by any chance, but do the best that you can do so you get the gratification from a job well done in that don't think that you'll be able to change your husband dramatically. Chances are it'll just be frustrating for you. With that being said, hey. We're going to end with a little bit of different music Have today. You recognize this? A merry little this time of year, yeah, we still want to be focused on business, the things that we can do, making plans for the new year, making goals, deciding now what we want the new year to be. But it's also a wonderful time. It's a magical time of year to celebrate successes, celebrate great relationships, spend time with people around us whose company we enjoy you know sometimes that that may not be family you may decide that family are three hour relationships not three day keep the balance there keep looking for what next year is going to be for you and in the meantime thanks for being part of this amazing community of people who really are finding or creating work that is meaningful purposeful, profitable, no, no exception to that at all, make it a great year. Anticipate the best year you've ever had. Faithful friends who are dear to us, gather near to us once more.